This podcast is brought to you by Retro Instruments, makers of the Stay Level, Power Strip, and 176 Limiting Amp. Retro Instruments, vintage design for modern recording. Learn more at RetroInstruments.com. Hey, it's Larry Crane. Welcome to the Tape Op Podcast. Oh my, I didn't know what it means to believe. Michael Kiwanuka's music has made it around the world, showcasing his passionate voice and guitar playing. His debut album, Home Again, was produced by Paul Butler of the Bees, and his second album, Love and Hate, produced with Danger Mouse, Inflow, and Paul, featured the track Cold Little Heart, which gave his career a major boost when it was picked as the theme song for HBO's Big Little Lies. The follow-up, last year's Kiwanuka, carried on with some powerful themes and arrangements. It was a treat to chat with Michael and examine his studio path and thoughts. Enjoy. Oh my, I didn't know how hard it would be. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for doing this. I know you uh, you met my partner, John Bacigalupi, out at Panoramic yeah. House before, too. Yeah. And we're, yeah, man. He's been friends with Paul for years, you know. I was going to say, Paul, Paul is what? Who um, put me on to tape up like 2010 when I oh, met I him, bet. Um, and uh, so that's pretty cool, man. Oh, we we love him, man. He's totally creative and interesting guy. Yeah, he, that's what I was just telling Lena. I, I met him and Phil Brown out at, at a pub one time just to talk, and you came up. It was yeah. like when you they when Paul was working on your first record, and and you yeah. came up in conversation and phil was like i was talking to him also i thought we might do something <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um man i love paul man he's he's a genius mm-hmm. um and that that original well it's not his original he's had loads of studios but the studio i worked in on that first album on the isle of white was just like a magical place it was like the best best sounding studio ever and it was like just this basement studio <laughs> right. but and i know you know about he would have spoke to you about yeah. it and has the spec and all that, but it was just a magical little place there. That was that kind of nice to get away to, to be somewhere like not in the middle of London making a record early on. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was amazing. And on top of that, um, on top of that, it was, I live white off cause it's like a holiday mm-hmm. place for, for UK. So I was always there like around November or basically out of season. So it was like no restaurants would really be open <laughs> It was so quiet, so you could like had nothing to do but but be creative. It was, it's funny you always look back and you don't realize how, you never know how good you got it until, you know, after the fact. But it was literally the most perfect place to be creative. You know, it was so nice. Yeah, was there with with your career? Was there really like a, I remember Phil and and Paul talking about you and and working with a producer like Paul, were you trying to figure out how to like present your songs and, and how to focus your whole, your sound and your, and, and who you were? Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely. It was like, you know, the idea of a studio was still really, really new to me. Um, and you know, I love, I've always loved records obviously. And, you know, writing songs, but I, I had, I had no idea about, what it entails and um how to do it i just kind of could write some stuff and i could play my guitar and then 
that was it. I needed, you know, Paul kind of showed me the ropes and was was began to show me what I could do in a way. Um, even things I didn't think I could do, he would he would show me and be like, "You, you could do this," you know. And what, I think what uh, kind of things would he would he focus on like that? Yeah, it was like, well, I was gonna say, yeah, because uh, I was gonna say, good producers always do that. <laughs> They kind of bring stuff. They bring stuff out of you that you don't think you you have. But specifically, it was like, um, I remember when we were in the studio and like we started making. We got kind of stuck, and he we were talking about rhythm and just like, um, just like feel of music. And he was saying, you know, you got a good feel. I'd always try and bring a band to the studio or something because I was like, how do you make it sound bigger than just an acoustic? And he's like, I think you can do it. We just we could do that together. And if you pick up some instruments, you don't have to be like a virtuoso at the instrument in the studio. You just bring your rhythm and feel to the table and it actually sounds cooler. And I was like, well, I thought you had to be like an expert. If you needed to play bass, you get a pro bass player in or piano, you get a proper pianist in. And he was like, no, no, you can, you can just do it. We just, we can, we've got, you know, we've got time here. We can find our own little rhythm. Let's start playing. And that ad added a new element to my music that I never thought I could have. Specifically, then at that point, I got I got excited when he said that and kind of came up with the song Tell Me a Tale on the first mm -hmm. album. Um, and I remember that was towards the end of kind of making it. It was like there was no way in my head before doing that song that I could imagine making a song like that. I loved that, st I loved that style of music, but I was like, how do you... <laughs> even begin to come up with a song like that. And I think Paul really brought something like that out of me, you know, he's like, just play. We can jump on the bass, have wild ideas. And yeah, if we need a flute, we can call a flute player down. But I mean, let's just try and do this bit together. And <laughs> that would probably be a really specific, specific way. Yeah. Or example of how he kind of brought things out of me and began to show me the ropes of what it means to try and be an artist or a creator, you know, and make records. Man, that's really cool. It's like, I yeah. mean, one of the things about the studio is that so many times the simplest little like two note guitar part makes a thing happen. Yeah. But, you know, in the studio, yeah. you put that down, but live, you've got to fill it in more or make it a different thing. Yeah, and exactly. And all of those things were like have been and I continue to learn about it every day. But that was very much the beginning of the journey. And what what an amazing person to start that journey on, because he's so he thinks so outside of the box that for any artist that wants to be creative, he's perfect because he will always challenge you to try and do something interesting. You know, his attention span is like, he's always looking for the interesting creative thing. So mm -hmm. he doesn't just kind of run through the motions, you know? And then on top of that, the way he gets his sonics and the sound that he can get out of instruments in a mixing desk or whatever he has, at disposal is unbelievable. It's yeah. like still to this day, some of the sounds he gets is like, what the hell? <laughs> How did you do that? <laughs> He's so good. Yeah. Man. I'm a big fan of the bees too. And it just always blows my mind how different the songs can sound and, you know, yeah. the, the variety and the tones and, and it feels old, but it feels yeah. new and it makes you pretty excited, you know? Yeah, man. You know? It's funny. I had, I had, I was, it was a quite cool time. Cause it was like, um, I knew at that point I had to work with them, but they were just going about. They were just about to put out the album. Every steps a yes, and um, when I was 
um, about to kind of get a record deal. And at the time, people would make like mixed CDs because it was like 2010. And then um, I had some demos, but all these A&Rs and stuff were like making mix CDs. And one of them had, one guy had a, had a mix CD of the first song of Every Steps of Yes. Um, I actually forget the name of the song now, but it's the first track. And I was like, whoa, who's, what's that? That sounds incredible. <laughs> that sounds like the most classic thing I've ever heard. And they were like, span called The Bees. I'd never heard of them. I was like, wow, that's amazing. And then a few weeks passed or a couple of months passed, signed a record deal and then a different A&R sat down and was like, so, you know, what are you gonna do? who do you want to work with? And I'm like, I don't know anyone in this industry really. And he was like, I heard this song, listen to this. I think this could be a cool matchup. And that same song, he played that same song. And I was like, whoa, I heard this like two months ago. I haven't found it ever since. Lost the mix CD, whatever like that. And I was like, whoa, this is, I like, I definitely want to work with Paul. Um, and this is definitely a sign, the fact that you're playing that song. It was like, I remembered it as soon as it came on because he has that unique sound. And yeah, yeah, I remember that quite well, quite fondly. How long did you guys spend um, at his place on Isle of Wight for that record? Yep. It was about two years, on and mm -hmm. off two years. So we would... Um, I'll just go down, get the train from London, from Camden, and then I'll go up for about a week, sometimes two, and then come back. Um, kind of, he would get, he would be working with others, working on other stuff, mm -hmm. and then a couple of weeks later, I'll go down again. And it was like a gentle, slow process. We just kind of like, because you know, I was starting out, so he was kind of, you know, letting me ease into the process. Really, I'd have some songs here and there that I'd try and throw down and. And then we would kind of stop and just kind of chat. And then as I grew more confident and stuff, it started to pick up a bit quicker. Yeah. The kind of process. And then towards the end, kind of found a bit of rhythm there. But altogether, it was probably about two years. Wow. That's, <laughs> that's nice gestation time. You can kind of like throw material out, redo things. Yeah, man. And I had no no gigs. I mean, I wasn't, I had no music out. So I had loads of time to... Right. To really, it was such a good time, you know. That's what I mean. In hindsight, were you, it's like were you still session uh, playing at that point too, like playing on other people's stuff? Or no, no, I was um, I was just focusing on my songwriting yeah. really, and um, and the studio. I was pretty at that those days. I was pretty overwhelmed by everything. Yeah, um, you know, record labels and budgets <laughs> and um, you know, it was, yeah. <laughs> for me, I loved it, but I was like so overwhelmed by it. All the pictures on the wall of like the Rolling Stones mm. and things like that was cool, but I was like, "Damn, my little acoustic guitar!" I was like, "How, how am I gonna, how am I gonna do this?" You know. So I kind of wanted to focus just on that. Yeah, man. <laughs> well, it did well. The first record did great. You know. I yeah. Mean, that's a real. Yeah. A real lucky thing for you. And I know Definitely. you and Paul started working on a follow up, which kind of got some of it ended up on the next record, but it also was sort yeah. of a a stalled out yeah. record, right? Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, we did a whole record which which we loved, um, but it was hard to kind of get rally the troops around it um, in terms of you know business stuff, record label stuff. I mean, more you know the classic story of like singles and etc. Mm -hmm. So we finished this record. We didn't like mix it and master it like that, but we kind of got to the end of the process, and there was no real excitement to it like it was on the end of the first album so we didn't really know what to do and we kind of just stopped for a while and then it was kind of like kind of for me was back to the drawing board because 
you know, the label were like pretty much like, we're not going to put this out. And so I had to kind of like meander around for a bit to see what to do to kind of get another record. It was either kind of go go with um, the label and just kind of go and do loads of random writing sessions with songwriters, the kind of the tried and tested kind of pop route. Mm -hmm. Or it was to, for me to like continue to find basically what I had with Paul, but but um, in another way um, that would kind of spike interest for, to get the company behind me. Um, and that's what, around the time I found and, and got to know Danger Mouse or just met Danger mm -hmm. Mouse. And I just said to him, I really need some help making a second record because I'm kind of struggling to get anyone behind it. I love what we're doing, but it's like no one really gets behind me with it. And um, he was like, let's, let's make one. And I was also working with a guy called Inflow at the same time. Right. Obviously, he's now uh, produced, co-produced both the last two albums. Mm -hmm. And we were, funny enough, we were in a similar position career-wise, both kind of in no man's land. <laughs> so we were just making music together for fun and everyone was like, this, you know, nothing's going to come with this. But <laughs> we, 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 we struck something. And again, again, I always used the Paul experience um, as a good um, kind of anchor if it felt anything close to what I have with him in the studio where you feel super creative, someone's pushing you to try and do your best stuff and you're not following trends, um, but you feel like you've got like a purpose to the music, then I knew, no, there's something that's good happening. So I always looked for that feeling I had on the Isle of Wight yeah. and I found it with Inflow and, and Danger Mouse and I was like, this is basically like what we do. It's just, you know, different guys. Right. And then, and then, um, Whilst we were finished up the record, there was some stuff. I loved the whole album that me and Paul did, but um, there was a few songs that, that I wanted to pull over that I thought fitted the record. We needed a few more songs. And Paul came to the studio a couple of times in, in LA. He just moved there. Mm -hmm. We worked and, and did did some together there. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of in, in a nutshell but how it went down. <laughs> it's a long, yeah. it's, a, it's a process, you know, it's a journey getting yeah. there with a lot of this. Yeah, man. What kind of, yeah. were, were working methods uh, with Inflow and then and Danger Mouse like different than working with Paul? What kind of, what kind of workflows and structure did they have? Yeah. Yeah. The, ma the main difference was like, was with Paul at the beginning, I would kind of bring in songs mm -hmm. and then if he liked them, we would kind of work on them and I kind of tell if he was getting a bit distracted or bored, he would I would know this one's probably not very good. And so I would try and write another one. With Danger Mouse and Inflow, it was more like we would just go to the studio and then start from scratch. Um, sorry, that was that was this. And yeah. we would just start from scratch um, uh, and build up from there. So I wouldn't have bring any acoustic songs in. I would just kind of play some guitar and we'd make the music and build the track up from scratch. That was probably the main difference to, to um, yeah, to to the process mm -hmm. of, of of making the record. But the creativity and the search for something interesting was the same. Kind of like looking for something that sparks, you know, your ear. Yeah, yeah. What ways did Danger Mouse kind of guide you on songs? Yeah, he he just always like challenged me in every way. Like the main thing was like. I guess both of them did it, Info and Danger Mouse, but basically it was like, um, lyrically 
and two ways so like lyrically was to be like the main thing i gathered was like we would talk about there's a lot of good singers you know and um but the thing about singing is like if it sounds nice it's kind of can be harder to make a good song because when you're in the studio and you're recording things sound really good <laughs> right but, you could, but yeah but then to connect with someone through the speakers and kind of garner a reaction like an emotional reaction takes a bit more craft sometimes lyrically um and creatively to do that aside from singing so you know you can have some nice sounding singing but it's like let's focus on what you're saying um you know what do you want to say on this second album mm -hmm. and what is it that you want to describe to make someone sit down and actually listen to it because yeah you they'll like the voice but it, it needs more than that and that was kind of what we would start talking about it can be and we got the idea of he kind of put the idea to me of like you know some artists they they can be subversive at times so it kind of pricks your it can make you feel uncomfortable maybe and you think what the hell is this i want to listen to this again sometimes it's just so heartbreaking that the lyrics they kind of just pull at your heartstrings and sometimes it's just really clever poetry it doesn't matter what you pick what you want but let's focus in on something mm -hmm. and then the one thing i remember him saying was like what would you ever sound like for example like you know sounding angry i never thought of something like that i was always like oh yeah i never thought of all those things and that was something that i really kind of garnered from 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 danger mouse and on top of that was the guitar was that when he found out i liked playing the guitar it was like um he kind of was like man that's a really good string to your boat i mean there's not many young black artists that play the guitar you know let's let's exaggerate that that's another unique lane you know right yeah and focus on that i mean you've got a you've got a certain style and a sound that really adds something to your songs you know yeah yeah exactly and he was like let's go let's go to that and that's where really like pink floyd and people like neil young those elements i love that music and always did growing up um but i was always like how do i put that in to my music and especially like being a soul singer i guess it was like you know i love those rock elements but how does it how does it link and that was it it was like wow man i, I can't believe i get to just listen to like cortez the killer for inspiration for <laughs> a song you know or sit down and just work on a guitar solo and try and sound like george harrison right at the beginning of cold little heart i just wanted to sound like george harrison and dave gilmore and, right and then um, that kind of thing and i just couldn't believe that oh yeah you can do what you want it's just the the, the weird things are the things that kind of can be interesting to listen to for the listener so and, yeah that was what i kind of learned in juxtapositions you know like a yeah like more of a soul feel to the groove maybe but then like a rock guitar solo you know yeah for sure yeah exactly you know and then um, i didn't even know that I, 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 it makes so much sense now but i was like well yeah you know that's it that's what i wanted to do all along anyway i just didn't know it could be done <laughs> it, can, it finally comes through um, yeah, I know you did some sessions with with Kanye a couple of times, and those mm. sounded kind of uh, kind of different yeah. <laughs> from what, yeah. from your records. Yeah. Um, yeah, what did you take away from that? I know I know a little mm. bit of that inspired you, and a little bit seemed very off putting. I, I suppose I don't know yeah. how to put it. Yeah, no, I would I would um, I would say I'd agree with that. I mean, what I took away um, from those sessions was like. 
it was funny. It's like, even what we're talking about is like, being an artist is like, you have to be comfortable and with the parts of yourself that is different to what anyone else does. And I spent a lot of time trying to fit in to make sure I thought if you fit in, it's more chance of you kind of making room for yourself as an artist. But what I learned from the Kanye sessions was like, it's actually the opposite. It's, it's like being your, being more yourself and being more unique is, is actually what's appealing. So when I went to the sessions, I didn't really believe that he like, cause I just had the album home again out when me and Paul did. I was just like, what did he see in my album that would be a record that would work on the Kanye West album? Right. So I kept trying to second guess and sound like who I thought who had already been on one of his records. So I'd be like, I'd be trying to make something that sounded like Bon Iver or something, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it was at the time. But what he wanted was me. He wanted, he wanted, you know, what I do. And I think I was, I was too worried, too nervous about, I, I didn't have enough self-confidence or really understand what it is to be an artist to really capture that opportunity. Um, but I mean, I, but I don't regret it. It was like, it needed to happen because it was like, that's I learned a lot from that, you know? Um, so I guess, I guess that the negative things weren't, weren't anything that anyone did right everyone was super nice and super friendly it was just so i mean i thought the label thing was overwhelming at the beginning of signing a record deal but man going to the studio and kanye west is there and all these producers that was like so overwhelming you know yeah yeah (laughs) it's a different process and it it can feel like like you said a lot of pressure and and uh you know you know what the ambiguity or what have you of that yeah. many people yeah. with their i mean you've had a lot yeah. of people play and, and feature and do stuff yeah. on your records but it's kind of like yeah. one at a time or a few people at a time as far as i can tell exactly. <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? it is and the studios the studio is quiet there's usually no more than like three people in the studio right. when when i'm working it's pretty mellow and um, whereas you know in the hip-hop world it's another it's another world it's like it's like a conveyor belt in and out of people coming in and out all day. Yeah. You know, so it was, it was interesting and, but it would be something I'll forever kind of be remember as a, as a cool learning curve and an amazing experience. Yeah. And we, we can learn from everything if we do it right. Yeah, for sure. So, um, you've been mixing, uh, Kiwanuka, the last record in the Dolby Atmos. Yeah. Did you go yeah, up to, so- go up to London and work on it with somebody? Yeah, so actually, um, Abbey Road, there's some uh, um, engineers and technicians at Abbey Road that are working on kind of spreading the word of Atmos Dolby. So I kind of collaborated with them. Basically, the collaboration was mainly just to say, you go for it (laughs) and and take the record. And um, I would just approve things Mm because it was like above my head technology wise literally too above Above your head it is (laughs) sound it was exactly exactly so they they took it we i gave them everything they needed uh, and when they'd finished got up to a point i went down to studio and listened and 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 i loved it i loved what i heard and it kind of brought some songs brought a new light to a lot of the songs um that i hadn't really experienced before so like songs like Rolling, mm-hmm. I love that song, but I kind of loved it even more after hearing it in, in Atmos. 
Had you, be and did you guys give them stems of sort of like you know once you after you'd mix the record print elements down and then use those to yeah. build from yeah we yeah we gave so yeah was, so i sent them we sent them stems every single stem of yeah. every song like every and there's quite a lot on there yeah um so they had everything to play with because obviously um that the, the more they have the more the better the better job they can do right so yeah we gave them stems and yeah you're hearing um parts of the music coming from you at all different angles and yeah. just that the feeling and the emotion of the song rolling and or the whole album but you can go deeper into the emotion you're trying to create it's kind of exciting because i've always been like um jealous of the cinema because mm -hmm. you have people's first experience to a movie when they go to the cinema to see it is so all-encompassing that with music you know we know being in the studio and being like like massive music lovers yeah we love you know we we try to hear it on nice speakers we we like take time for that whereas most people um don't do that yeah. um but the cinema you, most people will buy tickets to cinema so i was always jealous of that figure man you get to appreciate more the listener gets to appreciate more in films than they do in music and that must all be is like it's still pretty niche but if that ever took up some steam it could be one step closer for people going back to the really pure ways of listening to music and get more of an emotional connection to music than listen to it off your phone, you know? Right, right. I yeah. could really see, like, especially the, the first track, You Ain't the Problem, with has that crazy depth of field. Like, it sounds like a yeah. live tape at the beginning and then the music yeah. comes into you closer. Yeah. You know, I could see that yeah. really going further and further with the surround exactly. Atmos type thing. Yeah. And creatively in the studio, you can think about it and it kind of might influence your decisions sometimes in right in the studio which would be cool man yeah. you're gonna tr start tracking your next record in atmos <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i think it might be a couple records yet <laughs> uh, you had know. 400 tracks <laughs> <laughs> i know i read something that recently that you said you're thinking of in building a studio down in southampton in the future yeah man you know? um yeah i moved out to the south coast me and my wife are now on the south coast bit of space and this london you know is like you know like any big city i guess a bit like portland as well you know getting expensive it's popular cities you know yeah um and then down here you're near like some nice countryside of hampshire so mm -hmm. i'm thinking of trying to set something up you know i'd love to get a, a space first that's good and then do it after make a the studio, I'm still trying to like basically recreate Paul's studio on the Isle of Wight. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. That was pretty small, but basically a version like that, you know, that way it's so conducive to creativity. Um, and there's nothing much like that down on the South Coast. So, um, you know, around where I am. And it'd be a place for me to work and and do demos before right. going to come into America for working with producers in, in London and stuff like that. I could also tinker away at stuff regularly you know i think it would be good for my creativity and right i think i could be more prolific having the space you know so that would be nice but i mean i've got some i've got to find somewhere first and see if i can afford it you know yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know so, I, i'll tell you owning a studio <laughs> it's a thing yeah yeah <laughs> it's a, i know it looks it looks hard <laughs> it's you know it's just there's there's times i've had one for 23 years yeah. Here in Portland, you know, and there and John's yeah. had one longer than me, you know, down in yeah. California. And, and yeah. there's times where you just get kind of burnt out on the 
the maintenance, the expenses, the, you know, but it's amazing. I was down there yesterday working on a new track, building up everything. I'm from scratch. And I was like, this is so fun. This is the best. That's it. That's it, man. Yeah. It is. That's it. it. Something. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much, Michael. Thank you. Yeah. I'm still a huge fan. So so I'm excited. I'm a fan of your music. So it's great to (laughs) chat. (laughs) Thanks, man. Awesome, man. Well, take care. Thank you. See you soon. Yeah, thank you. Bye. 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 (laughs) Bye, everyone. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Find us online at tapeop.com, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Until next time. It's cold.